back to an episode of Like Dragon Like Son. My name is Jay Oway. My name is Jack Oway. And we are a father and son podcasting super team. Talking about all things Dungeons and Dragons. And if you're tuning in now, you're joining us and our journey celebrating our 100th episode Woo-hoo. of our podcast, where we are talking about 101 things you got to do in D&D before you die. This is episode five. This is the ultimate bucket list. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you're if you just tuning in, oh boy, have you missed a bunch of stuff? Um, well, you don't really need to hear go, any of go that. Go back, see it all. It's amazing. Okay, or sure. or if you're here now, anyways, just just listen you know, to the whole list in reverse. Follow us. Stay with us for the next hour as we go through some. Uh, we shift gears a little bit into something a little bit different than we've been talking about. Um, but really, I think germane to what the Like Dragon Like Sun podcast. Um, first began like where we we first had this idea of wanting to talk about how to make D&D characters that were that were not the same stereotype characters that we saw all the time at the tables right that mm. was one of our big things when we first started podcasting was hey let's find a way to encourage people to break break the tropes or go against sure. trope go a different direction with it um, and build things that you know, are, we're surprising and different and more interesting to play and more fun. We aren't always advocating, you know, min-maxing or getting the best, most out of your characters, although we've discovered that many of our builds do just fine, uh, even though without the focus on those sorts of things. So uh, we're not going to do full builds uh, for the next hour, but we are going to talk Maybe through... Maybe suggest some basic ideas or some... Yeah, yeah. a few of our sort of... Uh, full of uh, philosophical sort of approaches to all the various classes and we're going to go alphabetically mm, starting uh, from a ending in w so this is number 45 on our big list for those of you keeping score at home uh and here's a list of essentially different ways to play classes that maybe you haven't tried to play yet so number 45 play an artificer with a mundane background well, what do we mean by mundane? Well, I think when we say that, we're not talking about a boring old background, but we're talking about something that's not necessarily, you know, adventuring, combat, used to making, you know, magical swords sure. and armor and taking a different approach with the infusions that you can make yeah. as an artificer, because that's really a big part of and the class. And artificers are a little bit new uh, mm. to 5e, I guess. I mean, I guess it's been around for a while now. They kind of showed up around the Eberron, time Eberron was released. Um, and, and they can kind of feel out of place when you've got these people mm. making magical swords and armor and well, using I th- technology. I think people and, have a hard time s- or big s- envisioning or. what they are. Are they... Are they these armorers and battlesmiths? Are they these potion makers? What what are they doing? Mm. And artif and artillerists is that isn't that just somebody with guns? And I can see how a lot of people you know even skip even looking at making artificers because the subclasses aren't the most compelling part about them sometimes. I mean yeah. sometimes they are for sure. And I think when you initially look at a build for many classes, you'll look at the subclasses for inspiration. Sure. But the beauty of artificer really comes, I think, from their big list of infusions they can make. Yeah, they're 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 of a new design, similar to how warlocks uh, are out there as well, with lots of different ways you can customize and change up the things that they do to make them very different and unique. 
but even that can be quite confusing. There is a fair bit to sort of drill into and you're like, what are infusions and how many of these do I get? And how is that different from if I make like empowered armor or this or that? And there's a few things to sort of get your head around. But I think the one of the fun ways to break this against this trope is to first start out imagining your artificer as a tradesperson of some sort or and an this artist. this is kind of what we mean by a mundane background. Right. So you could have them be a baker or a tailor or a cobbler or a... Um, what's the person that makes hats? A, a haberdasher? I don't know. Um, you get my point. Like a hatter, a, a mad hatter. Um, why not? Uh, actually, that milliners, right, milliners, milliners, hat makers. Uh, there's so many lovely wow. old terms, right, for the for sort of things. You know, people who make you know different items of clothing. I think is a fun, easy way to start on this. But like I said, it could be a baker or a chef. It could be an artist, a painter, a sculptor. It could be something like this. Anybody who effectively has tools um, mm -hmm. could be a good place to start because artificers are all about those tools or the things they make with their tools exactly and if you, you want to like because uh, one one sort of tying that in even to sort of really emphasize that you cast magic and your spellcasting focus can of course be your normal wands or whatever you make right if you have those but the things you can also use as your spellcasting focus is your tools that you're proficient with and any of your infusions. Yes, you can you can use your actual infusions as spellcasting focus as well, which, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, the immediate ones that jump out when you look at the replicate magic items, which is what we're going to, I think, at least what I'm going to try and emphasize yeah. a little bit, is like, ooh, bag of holding. I'm all right, I'll pick that. And, oh, I see another, I don't know, like a, maybe a plus one sword. And I'm like, all right, that's good. And that's all you really get at first level in terms of the ones you can have active. Maybe get two other ones. Yeah. Maybe like, oh, I want to do a homunculus, right? But you've really kind of, I mean, those are excellent choices, right? Yeah. But if you want a little buddy who flies around and helps you, pick Warlock or Wizard, which gives you, again, an intelligence better, caster, better, better spells, and it gives you a familiar that you can summon again and again. you got to have this whole gem, and I don't know, Homunculus is uh, a harder thing to take care of. Although, again, if you want to play Artificer and do that, no diss against you. It's, it's a great choice, but it's a bit yeah. of a basic choice. Mm -hmm. The plus one sword, it's overdone. I mean, it's it's fun at some point but it, eventually a dm will give your party a plus one sword it's pretty straight it's a little a little basic frankly. it's boring i mean what, what what do you want a five percent better chance to hit or something interesting something interesting something unique something replicate magic yeah. item is a is an infusion that also people i think very quickly scam them over there's a chart there's a little list they give you of eight different things at second level that you can replicate but there's a little caveat in the text here. Mm. A little place where it says, alternatively, you can choose the magic item from among the common magic items in the game, not including potions and scrolls. Okay, well, suddenly our list just got really, really, really big and really, really interesting. Mm. Um, there is so much stuff. I mean, I was just looking, thinking, you know, if I had a tailor, somebody who was all about making clothes, um, cloak of many fashions how fun or is that? shift weave even sure you know sh when you create a, suit, a shift weave up to five different outfits and you can do this every day and change these five different outfits i mean w if you're a, a player out there who's into fashion for your character like this is so much fun 
you could be like really changing your clothes so much in this game what you look like what you do and your spells um, can be coming out, out of the and essentially right? yes your clothes cast your spells it's it's very fun and there's a, again if your dm is a bit more lenient and allows magic items from different you know even adventures because many adventure books will have sure. just common magic items from their world one from Strixhaven that i like a lot is a bottle of boundless coffee and i imagine that barista artificer <laughs> with this like big you know coffee machine or whatever that they have and when they cast their like scorching ray it is like just like little splashes of hot coffee that they hit people with that do ah, scalding hot fire damage um and it, it might be a little bit silly or but you can make it you know less silly if you want to or just be creative because it's it's such a fun opportunity like how does a scorching ray come outside of a bottle of boundless coffee you know or a little breathing bubble or you know i don't know there's a lot of fun ideas you can work with and sometimes it just takes that next level of creativity some other honorable mentions in terms of creativity i think are perhaps um there's a cuddly strixhaven mascots there's an earring of message which if you're used to the sending stone but don't like how it has a once per day thing and you don't take the message cantrip there you go earring of message things that your wizard might enjoy like a hat of wizardry um if you are a milliner um, perhaps you would make a there's hats of vermin there's hats of um, an ever bright lantern which shines light 60 feet bright light which is amazing and another 60 feet you know dim light um, like a little pouch that lets you grab any spice you want if you want to play that chef grab the Hewitt's handy spice pouch why not uh, um, there's uh, if you were maybe uh, maybe your character um, was a butler or something i there's a common item called a cleansing stone oh yes which i always think i was there's a game i once played where none of the wizards had, had breasted digitation and i had a character that she didn't like being dirty all the time um i actually managed to, to convince the dm when we went to a magic shop to let sell me a uh, cleansing stone that she could use to wash everybody's clothes um That's great I, I mean these are funny little items so what we're saying is like these aren't these aren't things that are going to help you win fights in D&D. What these things are going to do are going to be things that make you, as a role player in D&D, have a very interesting standout character that you can have a lot of fun with. Artificers still come with spells. They still come with weapons. They still come with all the things that D&D characters need to survive adventures. That's going to be that's going to be taken care of. Don't worry about it. Don't overthink having to have extra plus ones on your items or things like that. Take your artificer, do something quirky or weird with it. They've got a top hat that happens to be a hat of vermin. And every time they, f they flip it over, they pull a rabbit out of it. Um, you know, just be whatever, like have some fun with it. Maybe clothes of mending. Maybe they, uh, they have this whole thing where they like tearing their clothes off and then they all like get like zoomed back onto them. I don't know. Like Maybe, this is like yeah, use your imagination sure. to to go crazy with with something. Hmm. I love again like maybe you a bit more of a charlatan. Um, yeah as a as a artificer and there's a loaded die that you can make that you can yeah. choose what it turns maybe, to. And maybe you, know, that's and it. you play this you play this recovering gambling addict of a of a player who's yeah who still every chance they get is trying to you know trying to gamble um they've got all this like rigged rigged gear mm. and stuff um 
which makes them feel a little bit more roguelike somehow or something. You know what I mean? I think we're bard-esque sometimes. And then you know you're on the right track, I find. Whenever I start building a character class and I feel like I'm almost building another class with a different class, then I'm like, this is interesting. We're definitely outside the normal stereotypes of what we're doing. And and yeah, away we go. You can do tattoos and stuff with... with yeah, you can do a masquerade tattoo as well. Um, yeah. which you can allow other people to tune to. The nice thing about artificers is you're also, if you're willing to be a little bit more selfless, you can give some things out to your party, right? Um, they've got up to four little b blueprints, and they can make two of those real at second level, of course, getting more and more as you get to 610. And it, it, as well as you get to 610, your list of the ones that you're allowed to go beyond just um, the small range of uncommon items. You start to get things like um, gloves of thievery if you wanted to continue down that path. Um, of being a little schemier, maybe eyes of charming, lanterns of revealing, um, pipes of haunting. I know there's the metal of there. The metal well. of meat pie. Do you know that one? I do not know that call one. Of the, of call pie. of the call of the of the oh yeah no, newish one, one. Yeah, uh, where you get two d four plus two temporary hit points, effectively like a healing potion. Um, when you press it to your mouth, your your mouth, it's like I think it. I'd imagine like this little metal, like you won at a baking contest or something, mm. and it's got like picture of like little like meat pie on it and apparently it uh smells faintly of uh baked pie crust when you touch it to your mouth and it's warm too <laughs> um, as if um, it's fresh from the oven and again you maybe you lean mouth. into being a baker or something right like i think this is kind of how you make a fun interesting character yeah i mean so many like and again as this game continues to release more and more common magic items um it just becomes more and more unique i mean come like medal of wit perhaps you were a bit of a mathematician or want to lean into the intelligence side of artificer yeah. this medal of wit you won at a competition or maybe that then you've infused with your own little magics you press it to your temples in action giving you advantage on all intelligence checks and saving throws for one hour um and the, the worry with a lot of these medals is that once they're used they become non-magical the nice thing about an artificer is you just make a new one every day, yeah. right? So it's um, fun. I um I built yeah. a little artificer once a while back uh, using a halfling, uh, the sort of hospitality sort of focus on it. The idea of this halfling who was uh, basically traveled around entertaining people with his puppet shows. And so all the mm -hmm. artificer spells and skills were about creating little puppets and little puppet shows and uh, and using the artillerer, artillerist um, little thing to make a little toy soldier with a gun that sort of was part of the axe and things. And it's just like, you know, take this thing a different direction. You know, so you've got this, maybe this, this traveling entertainer who's suddenly caught up in these adventures and they're using their puppetry skills to, you know, help save the day whatever have some fun with it i guess their point yeah there's so many fun items in here that you'd be like just like look scroll through dnd beyond if you have access to all the little common magic items out there some of them you might not have access to but like you see orb of direction you can use it to determine which way is north oh perhaps he was some sort of navigator or sure. i don't know just like r pick one and run with it right and you'll you'll very even if it's perhaps Maybe not it, the it, most it's viable a town's character. a surveyor or something it's or gonna be a fun little maker. thing to role play right yeah. um yeah, map maker would be interesting all the yeah. cartography tools and things because you this is sort of it like look at the tools that our tipsters get or that any characters can have look at all the tool lists and think what from the tool list would make sense and then start playing with these ma common magic items Look at the spells that might work with things like that to sort of double down on that. Other backgrounds you can do or custom backgrounds that really spell out what you were doing before. And yeah, just go with it. Yeah, lots of fun stuff in here. If you just read and keep going. Um, 
think we need to move on to number yes 44. we do need to move on to our next one we've we've taken a lot of time with this but i, I hope like this is just setting the setting the stage um because i think especially artificer needs a little bit of that creative juice yeah. inspiration given how perhaps un- misunderstood it is one small thing you can do to play an interesting barbarian though yeah is, so this is number 44 yeah number 44 play a dexterity barbarian and a lot of people don't get this build when they first see it um but i i did i played this one a, a dexterity barbarian in a campaign for quite a while because of how their unarmored uh, defense works that their it's their um dexterity bonus plus their constitution bonus uh that that you get your armor class from so if you don't put any points into strength and you put all your points into dexterity and all your points of constitution, then take a um, a dexterity weapon, which actually is a couple of choices. I mean, the barbarian becomes quite useful because you can also have them using range attacks with uh, long bows or uh, get up close to the shield and a rapier. Mm. And it doesn't take much. By level eight, I think she, even though she had a men she had a magical shield at that point but uh had yeah a ac of 21 which is massive um and a huge amount of hit points because we're focusing so much on boosting constitution as well as boosting dexterity um and that was that was great she uh very versatile character for a game um more so than a lot of people think and and yeah you can you can really tank with a barbarian Oh, for sure. I love Ancestral Guardian with it because it doesn't say you need to hit anyone with a melee attack um, for the Ancestral Protectors to work, yeah. which is especially good because if you don't know what the feature is, at which third is level what when she you was. first pick it up, um, whenever the, the first time you hit a creature with an attack on your turn while raging, you can hinder it with Spectral Warriors, right? Or whatever you yep. want to flavor it as because um, flavor is free. So the start of your next turn, that target has disadvantage on all attack rolls that aren't against you. Exactly. So you and if it hits someone other than you, they get resistance to that attack. So that halves their damage that he does to anybody else besides you if they hit them. You can use your longbow to to activate this effect. Yes. So you can stay at the back of the field and now the screen just disadvantage on everyone. Unless and they, they have a very hard you. time of trying to find mm-hmm. their way over to you to to make their attack against you. So your friends are up front. Especially when you, I had some tanky friends. I had a paladin and stuff. Um, who could be right up in the front line and take way less damage. They would basically was imbuing my my barbarian sort of resistance onto the paladin mm. from the back row. So yeah, as a dex barbarian, and you've got that option, or when your other tanks are no longer able to tank, you yourself pull your rapier, storm up to the front, and start doing your thing from up there as well, mm. um, like a regular barbarian does. But you make dexterity attacks, and yes, you lose out on a few things. You don't get a lot of extra strength bonus stuff in there, and your extra advantages to strength things doesn't really come to play very much. But you know what? You can get around that most of the time in the game. It's fine. Yeah. Um, it's true. I'm, I'm just sort of looking through some of the other ones to see if there would be another viable range barbarian. Not all of them work as well, I will say. Battle Rager is, of course, Dwarf Only, which, again, play a Battle Rager. I've never seen anyone play a Battle Rager. Have yeah. you? No. It's cra- It's weird. As as um, people play Blade Singers all the time, but no one touches Battle Rager. It's one of those forgotten ones from the old Sword Coast, you yeah. know, adventuring guide, which had a bunch of subclasses in it. And people love Blade Singer, which has now been adapted again. But Battle Rager was kind of left behind. It's still in D and D Beyond, um, 
battle ragers follow the god of war again whatever it's but a dwarf whole, only thing. it's a dwarf only thing but again if if people are going to let blade singers be non-elves um then i'd, I'd argue let these not be dwarf what only you can well. always do if you kind of want to get a workaround on this you can use custom lineage be a dwarf but have different no technically custom lineage you're not aren't you that thing i believe not uh, i think that's that's the proper ruling but again talk to your dm even in this is even in the restriction it says your dm can lift this restriction to better suit the campaign but if you are playing a dwarf and you're like no nah, i'm building the battle rager they get this unique spiked armor um which is is if you're raging use a bonus action to make a melee weapon attack with your armor against people near you and deal piercing damage and you can when you like grapple people they take piercing damage from you grappling them because you um, got like spiky because you got big spiky armor yeah um weird i don't understand that but, but funny strange. a point a point to this on playing a barbarian is either go com- like i said completely opposite direction with your barbarians that they're dexterous and that they're polite mm. and that they're not a big raging dummy um and mine was a healer she was actually she went by the, the title doctor um and I think that you know that surprises people in a game when your barbarian isn't this big, massive, super strong, you know, Goliath or whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, lots of fun options out there as well um, in terms of making a dexterity barbarian because people don't expect it. Suddenly your AC is very high. Suddenly your initiative is very good. Yeah. Your deck saving throws with the advantage as well, very very good. Um, the one thing you do miss out on is that you're, if you're not using strength weapons you won't get some of those rage damage bonuses. It's just fine. Um, You'll get by without. The nice thing, though, is even if you have a negative strength, you are going to be raging, which gives you advantage on strength checks and saving throws, if right? You, if you need to um, make one. Which is, is, again, much better than a lot of people will have. Um, I yeah. think it's kind of interesting. Zealot is another potentially good um, option for range because you can still hit the extra rating or necrotic damage even with your longbow. Um, it doesn't have to say melee. It just says any weapon attack, which is great. Um, of course, the Warrior of the Gods thing is, is funny regardless, where if you die, there's no cost to bringing you back, which I, I always like that idea. Um, I don't know. They, they don't scale super well with that, but fun options there. I don't know. I'd like to see, again, a wild magic, barbarian, dexterity, something or other. I don't know. Just play around with the idea. You'll surprise yourself with actually how viable it is. Um, something else that is perhaps a little bit more roleplay focused if we're to shift gears mm. into number 43 play a socially awkward bard now i we kind of wrote this with more of the idea in mind of how do you subvert the bard class right everyone or maybe not everyone but there's a, there's a common perception that they're very you know charismatic and yeah, the, all like the, the meme is of course that yeah whatever, the, the right? bard but, seduces the dragon right and um I think it's a little overdone. I, I think it's a cute idea, overdone. but it, it's definitely a little bit limiting sometimes in what the bard truly is, which is this master, like jack of all trades, master of none, kind of versatile in their ability to do some martial stuff and some magics and be very supportive and utility and, and charisma checks. And they're very much so a skill monkey um, in a, a variety of different fields, which makes them a very interesting class. Um, and the, the subclasses explore this as well. Now there's a huge range of different subclasses you can do to really get interesting. Um, we said socially awkward because it kind of breaks that typical idea of the big 
superfluous, whatever huge personality well, but, that a lot of people assume Bart's But have. perhaps the, the the charm that they have comes not from being super smooth and sure. everything, but rather from it. It's a power from the awkwardness. There's a cute bumbliness to them, uh, which people yeah. find very sweet and yeah. very endearing, mm. and. And I love that idea. Disarming. Of, exactly. Rather than being the super smooth talker, the mouth. Uh, Bit of a creep you sometimes. Know, the creep. Honest. the Yeah. Because um, we've had enough of those bards. We need we need some other bards who are a little, uh, have got a slightly different. Gentler, softer, kinder. I don't know. That's one way to approach um, it. And again, often I think it's interesting to come at this from, from a different perspective as well. Like, what if they... Um, what if they had stage fright yeah what if they you know they have all this great musical talent but they're really afraid to ever perform in front of people mm. um that most of the time if you hear them performing or practicing it's like alone in the woods somewhere and they're really great and then yeah you know maybe part of the rp comes down to just how do you get the bard on stage and um and again i i'm not even a big fan of having to have bards that have musical instruments we have so oh, many other sure. um ways that you can do you know, a bard who's, you know, silver tongued or more about the, or not silver tongued, but more of a eloquence, like giving speeches or things like that. You've, there's mm. a fashion one. There's a glamoury one as there's well. There's a now. performance to there's, it. There's, um, and there's even a swords one as well. Like there's a few different colleges that can provide you with something non-musical, something that's not all about charming the pants off people, but still uses your charisma as your spell casting stats so you can't you can't be terrible but you know maybe you're yeah, less maybe about... you're a scholar that's more of a professor kind of thing right and that is very good at delivering oration and speeches and in unearthing arcane secrets in that way and that yeah. they are able to communicate them um, i mean in any scientific field you have the people who are studying and the people who are disseminating knowledge right be a a this powerful professor orator who has this immense repertoire of knowledge and skill but also has the ability to talk about it and not bore people to death right that is the power of the bard is to captivate people's attention um and i think that that's a really interesting idea and way to approach certain like things like a lore bard right perhaps you're not this performer or entertainer but you are a um maybe a, even just an assistant professor at this local art like water deep you know arcane school or i don't know something but the idea of trying to like what could a, a college of lore that still casts with charisma look like or i don't know a college of valor obviously calls upon combat perhaps you're a soldier who is is you know has these or maybe even like a sailor that knows all these different shanties and, <laughs> and you know war cries and songs and, yeah. and ideas that suit the the scenario you're in rather than just classic yeah know, and again so there, that last one's an interesting one you start with this idea okay i have a character who's a sailor but mm -hmm. of all the sailory things that sort of they seem to be very good morale. at for yeah. some reason their ability to lead everybody in shanties which are needed for like timing of heaving on lines and moving stuff and keeping morale up um, was quite good but it's like the idea is like, no, sailor first. The singing just is kind of a side gig. Yeah, of And then you can start to build the whole thing around. And they could be called a sword. Maybe you multi-class with a little swashbuckler in there. And you've got a really interesting build suddenly. And, and yeah, they're more, they're, you know, this is the idea I think that we've always tried to push at, this, at the, with this podcast is that, you know, you, you start looking at the, the class 
as as just as just a vehicle to get you towards you're going. Like you don't have to be the class. Uh, the class just provides you with some of the interesting features that helps bring your character to life. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's definitely a fun way to make the bard less of that. You know, I think what we often imagine the stereotype of a bard is into try and turn it into something else. Like, yeah, the singing or the performance aspect of it is just the secondary thing besides their real, you know, who they really are. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a part of them. It's not that's it. You know, there's there's the performer and then there's the person. Right. I think that's an interesting way to approach bard for sure. Um, moving on to perhaps another weird upset in terms of role playing and how this can and how often flavor does sometimes impact mechanics um number 42 play a cleric who has lost their faith or perhaps even questioning their faith i think this one is interesting because your relationship as a cleric with your your deity is less perhaps strained as it is with a warlock and their patron right we assume that if a warlock stops doing their patrons bidding they can just take it away right um but we rarely you know, shoot, you know, curious eyes at the cleric when they start questioning their own faith. Um, I think it's an interesting situation to role play and to struggle with as a character whose goal perhaps was led and their whole, you know, their whole shtick and magic is fueled by this, um, this idea, right? This god and often D&D pantheons will have these gods which represent ideas. What does it mean if you start to question that or see things beyond that, right? Um, how perhaps you were a grave domain cleric who is sworn against the undead and you are suddenly like well maybe i kind of get it a little bit right or perhaps an order domain who is now embracing freedom a little bit i think there's a lot of interesting or like a peace domain who realizes perhaps sometimes you do need violence to to defeat evil right yeah and a lot of this still also shows clerics who are still kind of tied up in their pantheon a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I went at starting, I started to build it. The character did end up with a attached to a God in the end because the DM wanted it that way. But the original build was to build a knowledge domain cleric who was basically running a curios shop into artifacts and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, but wasn't a follower of any particular religion or God or anything like that but simply came to recognize that over a long period of time that a lot of a lot of the items he had in the shop seemed to have some sort of magical spirit to them. And they sort of started to recognize that they were sort of just spirits in things, in nature, uh, in particular areas, uh, and, yeah, learned through his spells to... The spell focus, uh, the spell power sort of came about from being able to draw on these these spirits that he saw and felt in and around everything. Mm. Um, and in some ways that way did not have any particular God in mind yet still could divine sort of power through spirits. And, and so, yeah, there's a, suddenly I've got a cleric who's not certainly an atheist, but certainly a, a one that does not have a particular God, one entity, right? That, that they, they worship to. or follow sure. after. Yeah. And perhaps your cleric is a similar way. They don't ascribe to the idea of, of this entity itself, but more of the ideal that they represent, right? Or the many facets of, you know, what does it mean to be a, a cleric of war? Perhaps you are, you know, merely your, your interests 
much as an oath of the crown paladin are with preserving state and then whatever right the, what you what do you fight for right um and where do you derive that wisdom about the facets of war and of whatever right um I mean, even if you need inspiration, you're like, hell, how I, I don't maybe understand. Perhaps your war domain cleric draws from their fallen comrades after life, you know, the, the power of those spirits and how they call you on to continue fighting or the, the you know, how the halls of Valhalla await you, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's fun ways to play with it that don't need to be. And sometimes often they're like, well, I don't understand the lore or the, you know, perhaps talk to your DM about making a cleric that isn't just about this sure. god right but well, it's about is it interesting how we've got idea. paladins who are oath breakers but where's the where's yeah. where's our clerics who are domain breakers or whatever you want to call them like sure. those who who's set out upon a path of whatever um war maybe and then became a you know uh, became a peace activist of some sort someone who now you know i don't know if it works in dnd to have a character that refuses to fight um a complete pacifist i don't know crazy war domain cleric who's is a pacifist there's an unusual character um hmm. might be a bit irritating for the rest of your party but thing is what i discovered with the the cleric i had as well those how powerful you can be to be a non-combatant um you know, they, there's there's a lot of ways that without fighting you can help. Uh, and we'll talk about this like later in the list a bit. But, you know, don't always think that you have to be, uh, you know, your your cleric has to be doling out heavy damage spells to be useful. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's a fun way to approach cleric. Also, overall, cleric I think is sometimes underrated. Pick something besides life or light domain. Go somewhere with one of the other domains yeah you'll have an and there's interesting so time. many to choose there's from. so many to choose from that are really interesting um especially with some of the other tips and ideas that we've been hopefully you know getting inspiring you um because that's sort of the, the whole point here one thing that i think is is a class that is often very stereotyped yeah um too much so too much so sometimes number 41 play an urban druid yeah so druids are all like always out in the the, the wilderness the and the wild shape it almost the... forces you to play that in a place like a city if you, if you live in a city as well where nature is often like thrown to the, the sideline right maybe yeah, you have some trees in your in, park it's in planters it's in pots sure, right? and containers and, like on and, people's balconies it's yeah. tiny but if you look closely the little cracks in the ground sure. and wherever you they it can it can live they're returns sure. grass and life and wherever there's you know like swifts living underneath uh you know ledges of buildings little there's rats in the garbage you know there's and, all sorts of yeah creatures that have make homes in and around wherever people live you know, and, little raccoons little um, whatever vermin and all kinds of things right yeah and the the urban druid would be insects yeah if you still want to be somebody who's really connected into that sort of ecosystem the urban druid would definitely still see that and be able to feel it but they'd oh, also cats. But they'd also be a little bit more, you know, they wouldn't have, you know, maybe maybe they'd be a little bit more stylish and fashionable. Maybe they would have city city clothes. Mm. You know, they, they could be a bit more. Yeah, go uh, an urchin in the city secrets, but you only know it because you can turn into a stray cat and you've wandered yeah, where all the stray cats hilarious, go. Right? Yeah. And you've followed their packs and that's how you know the city in and out, right? Yep. I love the idea of just a druid that plays... Because it's based on animals that you've seen. You've never been out in the wild. You don't know what a wolf yeah, you, is. You don't have a bear form to change into because no. 
They don't have bears in the city. They don't have bears in the city. No, you know how to turn into like the neighborhood cat that went missing and people mistook you for it because you saw it once. Or that, yeah, or, maybe you've been getting a lot of free food by being a cat. For sure, right? That's like, yeah, who needs to pay for their daily living? You go, meow, somebody's like, door and they're like, and they give you a little bit of fish yeah. and you, you come back every day and hey, it's, it's not a bad gig, right? And you get some good scritches while you're there. Just... Oh, for sure. And you hear secrets too. I mean, you hear uh-huh. so much gossip of being the local stray cat that just sits in the shop, right? And people don't pay any mind to. Um, I And I think it's, it's a very cute, interesting idea to play this druid that is raised only in the city. You know how to turn into rats and maybe toads sure. and maybe some birds at higher levels like pigeons and, you know... I could see if you had, and if you did have a uh, a place where you lived, you'd have a little container garden on your like balcony or something with a few plants growing out there. Why not? Um, Things like that, you know, using druid craft and things to uh, to keep a bit of life going Mm. in in small places that you could. Like you've got like yeah, a little greenhouse that you return to when you can, or somewhere like that. Um, Again, again, using druid craft to make you know grass sprout in the little cracks in the road yeah. or the and, and still with this we're still leaning into the fact that druids are About heavily stereotyped right. as being earthy green growing type people i do like going a slight n- another way with this if we're going to be in the urban environment um i think the circle of stars mm-hmm. uh as a fortune teller sure uh is actually quite a good one uh to sort of play up being a uh you know somebody who's you know perhaps got a shop that that is doing more of a fortune telling sort of thing where you're i don't know i just using slightly different um different background ideas like where did you start what are you doing in the city how do you make a living what have you been doing and then choosing stuff that sort of fits into that works with that that supports that and yeah, instead of the druid always having to be something from the wilderness. Um, and I think it could be a fun learning journey, though, if your urban druid then goes on this adventure and starts seeing all these creatures Animals, that he's never like, seen before. What are all these things? And then giving it a go to try and turn into one. Yeah, I love that. In terms of things, some like weird cantrips that maybe you never take. You know, primal savagery now is this really this feral <laughs> reaction that you can have. Um, or, you know, infestation. Maybe you never took it before, but you are used to just being where insects are, yeah, right? Bugs, bugs are a Bugs thing, are man. everywhere in cities. Um, mending, you know, I'm sure in a city that's especially more useful. Um, I love also mold earth for doing a bit of graffiti and making your mark in, in the stonework. <laughs> stonework? Um, sure, why not? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a gust. You know, there's gusts of winds that still push and move through cities and can be annoying. And um, guidance, I think, if again, if you're going that whole fortune teller route is, is a fun one as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of great options. Um, if you play uh, like a place like Neverwinter or a colder city as well, um, consider taking something like Frostbite. I don't know. Um, there's fun options out there that are a little bit different from your classic Thorn Whip, you know, produce... Uh, control flames, druid craft, whatever. Try something different, you know. Yeah. Um, Try to make fun. your druid look different. Yeah, make them look a little different. Um, and an, an urban druid is a fun thing. It, it does require the right campaign setting, but you know, something like Eberron, even if you were like that's like Strixhaven. I don't, know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a scenario where you could do something that's maybe a little bit less that culture you know, from the woods and raised by wolves, right? Yeah. Um, you're raised by the streets, uh, and the urchin background really goes perfect with it. Um, transitioning number 40 play anything but a champion fighter 
yeah, this one's a little bit, <laughs> little funny. Um, we bring this up not because people necessarily play champion too much because i think it's i have like, a player who's playing a champion fighter in no, no, my game there's nothing wrong with a champion there's actually nothing great about a champion nothing fighter i've champion. given her so many extra things to try and not extra things but a few little like perks to the abilities they have in there leaning into them a little bit heavier because frankly i think champion fighters are i mean they are the most vanilla boring thing you can possibly make yeah they only um, have one thing they get just a, all they get is an improved crit range there's no flavor there's it's just like god that's it <laughs> but th to this to this point though of us trying to say hey play something that nobody wants to play i mean if you can and your dm can talk up a way to play a champion that's not really a champion i say go for it because i don't think it it's i don't think that interesting of a fighter frankly it's not an interesting fighter um there's a lot of others that are i think look i think the one that gets overplayed of all the fighters and it's clearly because i think it's one of the easiest best ones to make something cool and we did a whole episode on battle master how you can take it like oh, battle Master's 25 battle different Master. directions there they are you can do so many different things yeah. with that but if you're like oh i don't know champion or battle master battle master just play battle master but there are so many other there are underutilized fighters still out there um, you, we don't see much, you know, I haven't seen much in way of Echo Knights being played. Echo Knights are amazing as well. Play Echo Knight. I haven't great. seen, uh, you know, the Psy Knights are in there as Psy well. Warriors, really cool, Psy really interesting. Play a Psy um, We did an episode where we talked about the, there's actually a better name for it. Purple Dragon Knights actually got a, a non, a, a, another name, right? They do have another name, Banneret. Bannerets, right. Um, you know, who plays a Banneret? nobody not once not ever they're terrible no you should not play a, a as the way it currently stands do not play banneret talk to your it's dm terrible. see if you can fix it a bit it's terrible uh there's ways around it there are there's a lot of classes in there in fighter subclasses that don't get the see the light of day um take a rune chance knight. play a rune knight it. why not play yeah just play an interesting unique knight play cavalier don't play arcane archer though <laughs> no, i'm kidding um read through something other than just arcane archer also i think it's a lot of love maybe unnecessarily it needs it, love it, it, it needs um the, the problem with fighter overall as the indie as 5e's evolved is it's still a strength-based class and well, uh, yeah it doesn't have to be make a dex based fighter as well Strength-based attacks, strength-based everything in 5e really is, under, is underpowered compared to dex-based. Sure. I mean, the thing about a rogue is that it definitely, it's like, use ranger finesse. Okay. Where fighter doesn't really tell you that. Unlike barbarian, there's nothing in its class features that are necessarily tied to strength. Yeah. Um, I mean, even if you look at its, its saving throws, oh, it actually doesn't get extra, it just gets strength and constitution. And it, it leans, sure, I, I could see how it leans you towards it. But if you are playing an archery or, or like whatever, like, yeah, try something more dexterity focused or a bit more strength. I don't know, like just do something unique, right? With, you know, using Psy Warrior, using Echo Knight. I think here's in, unlike the Artificer, the subclasses are so much of an inspiration because this class doesn't have a lot else to give you. Fighter also sometimes works as a as a really great blended multi-class. Multi it's very true. Um, and it gives you a bunch of interesting things that you can use to augment or spice up other classes. And I think that's, you know, also a really great way to be thinking about using mm. bringing fighter into your into your builds i do it all the time um i use fighters alongside rogue stuff quite a bit uh and it works great yeah love me a little fighter rogue combos fighter rogues are underrated and you should give them 
give them a go. I mean, because there's so many fun comp- combinations, Soul Knife and Cyanite, and I don't know. Do, do something fun with that. Um, another Marshall, which perhaps is a little stereotyped or, or perhaps forced into one path. Yeah, number 39. Is a monk. Um, and we often, I think a lot of people see the so monk say, as just yeah, this. Basically, 39, number yeah. 39 on our bucket list is play a monk that isn't just a kung fu stereotype and there's nothing wrong if you do want to play that but i think go beyond just the what your initial impression might be do a bit of research into a specific kind of martial arts you know if you are going to do it look at like the different practices in the shaolin you know how different that is from other kinds of wushu or you look at um even other like cultures like capoeira or like there's so many interesting martial arts that can feel a little bit dancey or performative or look different and again the flavor is free but if you're going to play a martial artist learn a little bit about martial arts right use it as an opportunity to you know do cool spin kick moves or things that aren't just your basic oh i I do a punch another punch maybe you want to play a full bruiser forget the whole you know, martial art key stuff, make it a whole just this yeah. inner burning rage. Sure. Or maybe they were a boxer boo, 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 and, boo, whatever, and you just right? reflavor all these things to make it, yeah, you know, uh, more of a pugilist style. Yeah. Um, you know, like a Victorian era boxer with a big, you know, fluffy mustache sort of thing. You know, sure, why not? Uh, I don't know. You could, you could do it a number of different ways that aren't, and I, 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 particularly when it gets a bit Asian focused, sometimes it kind of grates on me a little. Well, I mean, um, I, we say that because it's it's easy to fall into the Asian stereotype of justice, same image that you have every single time, right? I, I think there needs to be more nuance in in that representation of Asian culture than rather than just unarmed strikes and key and whatever. Let's go a little bit further with that. Let's yeah. let's let's dig a little bit deeper if we do do this. Let's make it feel. Like we're not just doing the stereotype, right? Yeah. We're we're showing care that we're we're really appreciating this by learning more about it, right? Um, but again, uh, I'll go back to my let's you know let's start the the monk build with I have a previous occupation that has absolutely nothing to do with martial arts. I'm a baker, and somehow through rolling dough um, and punching with my fists every day and kneading it and doing all these things, I've developed my sort of wax on wax off sort of powers uh and and i'm you know i i bring something from that background into my ability to fight and again this is all just flavor at this point um you know the damage dice the numbers everything roll like that but how i go about doing it can be complete have nothing to do with martial arts whatsoever but rather my fighting style comes from you know skills i learned in the kitchen uh whatever like go completely not you know kung fu monastery with it at all go completely different direction and don't just use your fists use your legs describe how you headbutt them describe how you you know what your unarmed strikes look like besides just unarmed strikes give them a good old elbow you know jump from the top rope i don't know do something unique um with the way you attack rather than just absolutely pop pop you know the people's elbow sure um talk about maybe where you punch them you know i do i do a big liver punch i always do sure. the liver punch right or maybe your, your eye style. gouging is your thing yeah maybe you go dirty for sure maybe you you definitely play dirty maybe yeah. you you are trained in 
other kinds of self-defense and you know to always kick the crotch right yeah, exactly that's the, maybe you, that's what you, you took taught, a self-defense right? course once sure. your mean, whole monk character has got just a few self-defense classes behind they're all self-taught him or her they're a bit scrappy and, right yeah that's quite funny again alongside our urban druid we have like a an urban monk who done a, did a whole bunch of i don't want to get mugged at night you know self-defense courses and now she's incredibly good at kicking people in the stones hmm. yeah i love it i mean again we have this idea of a lamplighter way of the sun soul right and they just know how to they're great at it you know dangerous and sometimes at nighttime it can be dangerous sure, lighting sure. the way for others right yeah. and using that radiant part of their own soul or their own you know whatever right or maybe the, we make it non-magical maybe you literally have this set of of things that let you uh, you light are just lighting lights, lamps right? around the You're city lighting lamps and, and now you, you know just had to, to, to exactly and launch. along the way you just had to learn to defend yourself a bit because sure. the streets are dangerous man they are um i don't know there's a lot of fun stuff out there that you can kind of do and then next thing you know you're off adventuring yeah and maybe you then you do discover your magic i don't know whatever it is again monks don't need to be magical right uh it does say the magic of key doesn't need to be right if you're playing something like an open hand monk or a uh a kensei drunken master cobalt soul sure. um way of mercy even i could see places where it, it's very much so not magical right or 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 more magical even more from the weave maybe hanging around your wizard it was all about just so you sort of found your own way to tap into it i don't know yeah why not maybe more sorcerer-esque that way sure you can describe it in other ways that doesn't have to be maybe it's a bit clerical easy. even maybe yeah. you're a little bit divine inspired maybe. or uh, whatever you want again monks get tools maybe it is a tool thing again you know maybe it is a part of that background right sure. i don't know be creative with it um Try something besides just your generic martial artist. You know, what kind of martial arts, if you go that way, or don't even go that way, go a new direction with it. Um, and there's a lot of ways that the monk can start to feel a little bit less of that silly, overdone, punch, punch, I punch the yeah. dragon in the snout, and I do something a little bit different, right? Um, that's our advice with that one. Yeah. Uh, moving on to number 38, a class which perhaps... Um, also has a lot of like associations made with it but i think you can do a lot of interesting things with is the paladin so play a paladin that has broken their oath without being an oath breaker yeah we i think a while ago we talked a little bit about we had an episode about um what are the coolest sort of paladin edgiest paladins without being oath breaker sounds cool but it kind of isn't actually yeah, no it, it, it definitely forces you into a certain kind of necrotic lich or like even yeah, yeah. undead it's not even so much an oath breaker one as it is just a completely different type of oath, oath of evil oath, oath ambition of, i don't know why yeah oath of oath the of darkness or undeath oath of undeath sure um and maybe that's not really what you wanted you wanted more of something that reflects the fact that you've had a tumultuous relationship with your own oath towards a certain ideal right and maybe you've abandoned that maybe it was put upon you and you were indoctrinated to follow this oath of conquest and now you're free from it and you're finding your own different path right yeah well um, this is a fun rp story arc for your characters starting off with your paladin thinking themselves like they really know what the world's all about and they know right from wrong and, and they, they have a real like yeah a really rigid view and then they start to realize that life's actually a lot more shades of gray and mm. if they're going to get along with the party and if they're going to succeed in their bigger sort of objectives of saving the world, that a lot of the tenets of their oath may not make much sense anymore. And then that you have an interesting sort of 
thing to do with your DM at this point, which is then like, what happens yeah. to a paladin who's growing as a character? Mm. Um, cause they're not failing, but yet they're, they're breaking their, these oath things. So what does that mean? Cause there's a lot of divine suggestion, I think in the paladin class, yeah. but in no way do you have to be divine. I mean, if you've seen the recent EXU Calamity, no big spoilers, but when someone plays a paladin that is expressly non-deific, yeah. you know, like they are their own. But like I described the cleric earlier that doesn't have a, yeah, a, 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 god. a god in particular, right? But again, it's just this, how do they get their magic? You know, exp- think about that in a way that doesn't need to force them into this holy warrior, yeah, right? That, that they're oath, always Oath sometimes. of the people, baby. Sure. You know, like think about where do they channel their their magics from? Yeah. could be tools maybe they're just really into their craftsmanship and their blacksmithing or whatever it was. and that's how they made their you know whatever that you can be creative with it it's your character the idea is if you look at paladin and go oh i don't really want to play another full heavy armor holy knight don't play that play something way different yeah. play low armor don't even go into your strength just go into like your charisma and really focus on the spell casting of the other side of this class. Do something dexterity based. Do something else, right? I mean, it, it's yeah. Definitely I mean, not... you could be you could really make yourself into a healer. Yeah, really. Between lay on hands, you could pick else. up you could pick up the healer feat as well on oh, top of sure. that, and you could lean into being some sort of combat medic or something like that. And and a lot of people like again, this immediately breaks a stereotype because you're like, well, no, no, the paladin they have this presence, they have this role, they have to be this big thing. No, you don't. Well, you can still be a tank. I mean, you're dump into your constitution. You got some great hit points. Or you don't. Or don't be the tank. Even like be, be even more of a rogue esque character. Like or, or you know, like I said, more the face of the party. Still, even you, you could definitely no redemption. Still be, Emissary of peace giving you that free plus five to your persuasion checks for ten yeah, minutes. I mean, be a spy. Sure. Be a an infiltrator. Um, be something that's like way more about stealth and things. Yeah. Ditch the armor. Um, or maybe just go with a breastplate or something. They're yeah. always great. That's yeah. my favorite. Medium armor that doesn't make noise. Yeah, that's great. Um, I don't know. Something to think about with, with taking the, the paladin in a new direction. Yeah. Um, next one up is number 37, and it's a bit of a different oh, yeah. different exploration. Well, but- yes and no, because, okay, number 37 says, make a homebrew version of the ranger class. and And why? Because everybody does this. It's it's a, a kind of a, a rite of passage in the homebrew community. Um, if you've I ever seen, it's the first thing everybody sure. does. I mean, people look at the ranger class and they're like interested in the idea of it, and they're like, well, well, I have given over hours of brain power to like, I know how to fix it. I know how to fix it. All I gotta do is just fix it. And everybody's the same way. Like, I can fix it. I gotta fix. I gotta fix. And we get like, and you, you compare fix notes and change it. Um, and actually the truth is it, it's not all bad anyways. You, you actually, um, I was using some ranger stuff in a, in another campaign that I got brought into. I hadn't even planned to take a level in ranger and I wasn't even taking the new ranger or any of the modified ones straight up old school. The one thing that we'd all used to complain about is, well, with your ranger, if you choose, you know, what type of, uh, you know, train or terrain. terrain is, you, what if you're not in that anymore? We had a campaign that was set in the desert. We were never going to leave the desert. We were always in the desert. Mm-hmm. And once that became very clear that we were never, ever going to be out of the desert, taking a level in it so that all of our movement in the desert suddenly was like, hmm, 
I really helped the party out huge yeah, with suddenly, this level. For the rest of the game, the campaign, we're not slow by difficult terrain. We can't be lost by any. And those things were means. happening to us. And then now I'm like, nope. I took yeah, one level on that, and I just sure. straightened out the. And it was actually, it was great. I was like, and it played into my characters wanting to become my character wanting to be the the master of the desert anyway. So this is sometimes where again where you're you're, you know, we we say we build a character. Sometimes when you're playing a game or a campaign like that you suddenly realize that maybe I'm going to take a level in a class that I wasn't even thinking about until the campaign got to a certain point. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting as well when the, the game informs your build as you go along. But anyways, backing up to what this is really about, uh, you know, go into the ranger subclass and, or the ranger class itself, but into its subclasses. And, and yeah, see if you can't, cook up a little bit of something that you think uh helps helps make it better in you know whatever situations you think it needs uh, the problem with rangers is too often if you choose something with it and then you're, you're you end up playing something somewhere else they become less effective i guess right mm. so well looking at the optional features because sometimes people don't really realize what the optional features are there's some great stuff in giving you some expertises extra languages better speed um favored foe is really unique some extra spells um things like druidic warrior they get blind fighting as a potential choice um some free spells every day i mean ranger right now is at a point where it's like some of its subclasses as well, I feel don't get the love that they, they need, right? I mean, a lot of people look at Horizon Walker or Hunter or Beastmaster, right? Check out Fey Wanderer and make yeah. an interesting Fey Lost, you know? Make a, a Drake Warden that's got some interesting connection to dragons, right? Yeah. Um, or some sort of background there. And we, and, we've got, a and we've got some really great setting information friend. out. You're friends with Fey. You're friends with yeah. dragons rather than the foe of them. I think that's an interesting way to play D&D. I think it's such a, a resistant narrative to take these misunderstood creatures. Why would I hunt oozes? I love oozes. I've got a little swarm of translucent sure. ooze jelly that have, you know, flies yeah, me around. The idea of that favored foe, I mean, the idea that you have this sort of specialized knowledge of an enemy is kind of odd. The idea that you're really close to these sorts of things, and, and yes, because you're whatever, super close right? to them, yeah. yeah, you know what their vulnerabilities are, your weak, their weaknesses. So yeah, if you... If you're really down with the Fey and then Fey attack you, well, of course you know where the, where the buttons to push are. So you become better at, at fighting them. And I like that idea. Turn the favorite foe on, on its head and becomes your, you know, know your friend's weakness. Mm. Yeah, it, it's a, it definitely a fun one. Um, if, if you're thinking of like, well, I pick a creature type right now that previously would have been your favorite foe, right? Make it your favorite friend. Like, oh, fiends. Maybe you're a ranger that's kind of into the whole fiend thing. You know, go Gloomstalker that's all from the Underdark and saw the abyss. And now they, they're in close with some demons or I don't know, whatever, right? They, Do something hey, fun they like did, that. They did some, they were in the fighting pits of Avernus and, you know. Sure. They actually, you know, came back and said, you know, I made some good friends there. Like, you say what you will about these people, they're not all bad. Yeah, they're not, they're not all terrible. Maybe you were perhaps even had a, like a closer you know apprentice relationship with the hag until you had to betray them and you've learned now some of the tricks of the trade with like the monster slayer sent you know sensing weaknesses and in, in elemental stuff and how to protect yourself from evil and good and do zones of truth and i don't know there's fun different options there your drake warden maybe it isn't just a dragon it's some other fiendish 
you know summon that you have or whatever right i think your swarm keeper could be a, a bunch of little imps that you have carry you around or little cheruby angel you did you did an interesting swarm keeper that was ravens once, yes that was all um, ravens once. for specifically for the uh, curse of strahd type game and we think of the swarm keeper as perhaps insects but there's many different things you can do with it but again i think the ooze ones a fun and the important thing well. is, is again to step back even and say how does the ranger class usually get looked at Mm. You know that they're, they're these outdoor guides for everybody, right? That they're sure. like, follow me. I know how to get across this, and we've got a little bit too much, maybe, of um, you know the Aragorn sort of Lord of the Rings stuff going on in our heads with it. Mm. And again, to step back and say, okay, let's not be that thing anymore. Let's start with another sort of idea, like the you know, I again maybe in an urban setting, I keep pigeons on the rooftop. Right? right you started this somebody who's just a bird lover and yeah they became a swarm keeper sort of through that sort of aspect of it and a lot of their other powers and things that they have sort of materialized sort of later as they started getting into adventuring or whatever but it comes from this more of a of a place of like oh yeah i i was all about you know, I love pigeons. I always love it. I don't know. I love, since I was a kid, sure. uh, I like keeping pigeons. They're so cool. The things you can do with them or whatever. And then you have this interesting character that's built around, uh, this whole idea of like, do I have carrier pigeons? What May, can yeah, I do maybe, with them? Sure. Or like, I know a thing about the Drake warden. Maybe you're some halfling thief that like the only way you could make, make it by was to go on your classic dungeon, whatever you stole a dragon egg. And then you got really attached to the dragon egg actually. And then you stole it from the rest of the group and then you bonded with it. And now it's your little Drake friend that you go everywhere. And you're like, no, I never steal a dragon's eggs or whatever. Right. I don't know. Have a bit of a uh, have a bit of fun with turning it from this hunter into a friend of these creatures and monsters. Yeah, which I think is an interesting approach. Yeah, I think that's a definitely a, a good way to flip it on its head. But feel um, free to change it up and homebrew your own. Homebrew your Everybody own. Everybody else think, does. Yeah, check do out some homebrew rangers as well. Yeah, do that before you die. Number thirty six. Yeah, play a rogue as often as you can. And I'm not um, even going to say flip this one on its head. God, well, I don't flip know. it a little on its head. Like I. I think even like when D and D began, the the rogue class was called thief, mm. and thief is just a subclass now. I often still accidentally use the word thief when I mean rogue. Uh, I have a little like mental switch that doesn't always flick over. Um, but even the term rogue, the way that it's set up, is already so could be so many things i know that it does bug me that the picture that you always see show up is you know is a a sort of assassin sort of guy with a couple of daggers and a you know assassin's creed type cloak on thing but i think rogues can be a whole lot of different things um i think a scout build might make him a better ranger than rangers are um i think uh you know soul knife can make an incredible circus act uh i think there's so many different ways you can go with so many different things in rogues there um you know from you know inquisitives that can make really good private and detective type characters to um i don't know what you want to do with masterminds or what you want to do with there's just so much stuff going Mm. on i think these ones need perhaps the least suggestion because it's fun to play a rogue right yeah and you got to play a rogue at least once in in your D D career i'd say play it more than once play it 
you know, often play different kinds of subclasses. If you've ever seen the show Barry, play an assassin who was raised and trained as the sleeper cell master killer, but is really a gentle soul that's trying to discover what it means to have relationships and have this life with other people, but then something flips inside them and then they're back to their killing side or whatever, right? And there's this constant struggle. It's like, oh, oh, they're very sweet and gentle, but then they turn into this horrible killing machine monster and fighting against who turned them into that. I don't know. There's fun ways you can well, kind of and, twist that. And even to go back to the to the original um you know, the thief uh idea as well. Thieves have got this um kind of a fun uh skill mm-hmm. called second story work that you get at third level. Uh you gain the ability to climb faster than normal. Climbing no longer costs you extra movement. In addition, when you make a running jump, the distance you cover uh, increases by. So this is like the idea of like the second story work is like, okay, you've got somebody who's, you know, they really are quite good at like being cat burglars of like sneaking into different places and things. Um, I always thought this is a great place to put your centaur character. Oh, God. Right. Um, You know, somebody's like, nope, you can't climb. Yes, I can. Doesn't cost me any extra movement. Um, You know, this is the sort of like when you're making a, something that just flips the narrative as well uh look at how you can use a subclass like this to take a race that doesn't get to do something normally at all and suddenly you're like ta-da i get to do this thing um look at me climbing mm. uh have some fun with stuff like yeah. that we are over the hour mark so let's let i think let's speed up a little bit um for these next few and the thing about casters as we get into the, the latter half of this number 35 um and we'll we'll go through them a little bit quicker but um Pick some spells that are different is, is like the general thing is, is I think setting up the preface. Number 35. Play a sorcerer discovering their powers. I think this is a fun one because a lot of sorcerers, I don't know, they feel a little bit like sometimes, I, I don't always like the idea that they always know what their magic already is. There's something very unique about discovering your magic and not even knowing your own power that is very unique to the sorcerer class. Um, I think at least um, they get... Uh, their subclasses and, and whatever touched them, some entity from far away or f- perhaps their own discovery, you can really play up your magic as it's as like each time you cast a spell for the first time, that's really the first time you've ever cast that spell. Um, I love that idea. Like you see someone falling, no, and suddenly they start slowing down and it's like, yeah. oh, I have this power. Or you're about to fall off a ledge and then, you know, that classic shot in the movies where they fly back into the yeah, frame, yeah. right? They glide back up, right? Do something fun yeah, like that. that. Like they, you're discovering you know, your they powers. Get, they get scared and they go, ah, and the, you know, fire the lightning comes or out or lightning whatever, or whatever. Right? You can do some fun stuff with that as well. Yeah, that's a, a great way to, to sort of play a, a character. Mm. Um, 34. 34. Um, we've mentioned that almost our first episode of this, I think in our podcast was uh, whatever you do, play anything but a Hexblade war- Warlock. That spams Eldritch Blast. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're going to spam Eldritch Blast. No, no, pick other cantrips. I agree, I agree. But look, if you're just joining DD for the first time and you're listening to us right now and you're like, what's a Hexblade Warlock? Yeah, go look at it. You'll probably want to build one. Yeah, get it out of your system. Come on, they're not bad. We, there's a reason everybody they're builds great. one. Um, and then check some, some other subclasses. Hexblade Warlocks are great. They yeah. got a cool weapon that appears and does all sorts of neat things. And, you can, and then on top of that, you get this Eldritch Blast thing that you can chuck all the time. And you still get a couple spell slots 
it's 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 fun. What you gonna do? It's gonna be great. Mm. Um, it is a much better Eldritch Knight than Eldritch Knight will ever be. For sure. Um, great. Dish. And and just the the design of build of Warlock is fantastic. It gives you a lot of customization features. Mm. Um, however, the Hexblade Warlock is just a little bit moody. Like they are just that. They are the same thing again and again. Um, or I wonder if you could even take the hex blade and make because the weapon is your is your whatever packed and you're driven to kill obviously right. But what what's a, like a weird weapon you could do? like a little boomerang? Yeah, it always comes back. I love the idea of a hex blade weapon that or, is scared of killing. It's or, like no, please don't. You or a, yeah, what about a net? Um, a net. Wow, what Can a terrible net? weapon. Nets are like the hardest, most difficult build so to much. ever make. Uh, Nets are tough. Um, yeah, you yeah. need sharpshooter to make net work. Uh, there's a, we've got a, uh, a whole episode on that as well. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, don't do it. Look back at our episodes. We talk about making, uh, warlocks who are, you know, more physical fitness type guys or sure. warlocks who are, uh, celebrity adventurers who are all about the, you know, getting the likes. Um, there's a whole bunch of ways you can do warlock that are not, you know, the, the edgy, uh, There's nothing wrong with doing an edgy character. thing, but then do something more than that. You know, have another depth beyond the edge. You know, yeah. Not a sword can't just be all edge. You know, yeah. there's got to be something a little bit more there. Um, moving on, number thirty-three, and this is a great idea for a one-on-one campaign as well. I think mm. uh, play a wizard that has just lost their spell book. Yeah, this one is definitely not mechanically viable at all. Well, you get to keep the spells whatever that you've got already yeah you yeah. already know and from day sure. to day you can keep those same spells without your spell book you can't you can't get any new spells into your head and you can't change the spells but you've got that for now until you keep finding and finding more stuff so you're, new spell book. So you're rebuilding your spell book essentially you're really starting it from scratch but as a dm for planning a, uh, a series of adventures for a player like that it there it's all very and this is actually why it's i guess it's it's good for a very small party like one or two players where the whole quest is really about the spell books and mm. finding the spells and going through adventures that are all about that and yeah. various, you know, and a lot of it isn't just fights as well. This is going to be a lot of RP stuff, I mm. think, as well. So it could be it could be really interesting. Um, but yeah, the wizard without the spell book, the wizard who's really make short on... Make it like a scrapbook on, thing or make it like your spell book could be like your, it's just a collection of jumbled notes from other maybe. mages that you've and put maybe, together. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's an int- really interesting part of this. And to be honest, I think a really interesting way to do wizards anytime you want... Is discovering magic. And doing just really weird spell books for them. Yeah, making weird... Like there is no theme here. It's just whatever we found. Yeah. And we made it work along yeah, the way. And we have an episode, I think, uh, in the past on this as well, but making really whack spell books. Um, mm. And I think that's fun. I think that's a really great way to make a less wizardy wizard and i think the last one we'll touch on today and this is a unofficial class but it is on dnd beyond is and playing... it's not alphabetical either here no it's not this is at the end because it doesn't really count um number 32 play a blood hunter that isn't edgy um now this this one might seem impossible on first look but i think it's we've talked about making them in, in the past and they really are just these these warriors that utilize elemental magics and sacrifice hit points but hit points don't need to be blood and viscera and yeah, cuts yeah. and lesser there can be other things that you sacrifice a little in bit internal like yeah like there's like a bit of a soul side to it or a bit of like maybe every time you use it you're a bit of a grumpy groggy sleepy i, mood, I figured right? a way to make a pretty interesting spider-man like character from it so oh, for sure i mean i think there's different things you can do with blood hunter that again uh maybe the name taking the hunter and stuff blood. out of it a little bit and 
things uh, and make it, yeah, a little bit more. It's a good one to actually kind of make sort of superhero-y type characters out of. Mm. Um, and maybe, yeah, the hunting component of it can be downplayed a lot more and just use their interesting spells, their interesting abilities. Um, but let's face it, actually, a lot of their abilities are just about, you know, boosting their attacks and damage. So they are still kind of a little bit too focused on the you know the damage dealing portion of D, which but i think give them a go if you're going to play D and you're using D beyond give it a look make a make a character in that um i think there's some there's some fun potential there as well all right folks thank you for staying tuned as we've talked through all the things i hope you get a, a gist for how uh we here at like dragon like sun want to uh make break character make yeah make make more much more interesting characters to bring to the table um so yeah step outside your comfort zone and build something that uh nobody's ever seen before all right folks see you later bye